for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to yet another episode of the Blitz podcast, uh, rolling through our power ranking, off-season power rankings segments. I am your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by Mr. Jaden Kozak today, coming from his new digs in College Park. Uh, but today, we're running through the 13th overall ranked Jacksonville Jaguars, who definitely saw a lot of improvement last year, things to be excited about. And that's the reason we got him at 13. Uh, but as I was saying, man, we've been rolling through this uh, off-season power ranking segments. A lot of the videos are out so far. Um, I may or may not be lacking on the audio uh, part of it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and etc. But everything is up on YouTube right now. Uh, so go ahead and catch up on that. Feel free to like, subscribe. Um, we're definitely seeing numbers, but we know we can see more. And we'd love any interaction we can get. And I always find, like, with smaller YouTube pages like ours, um, it's nice to be able to comment and actually, like, get some interaction from that. Because we see every comment and we, like, see what you're saying and we talk about it in the videos. And it's not like we have hundreds of comments where we need to sort through them. So you are a part of the conversation here at the Blitz Pod if you are liking, commenting, subscribing. But we appreciate all of you that have been doing that so far. And we'll continue to do it as we roll through. But, yeah, man, 13th-ranked Jacksonville Jaguars. You hyped to dive on in? Yeah, pretty excited. This is definitely one of the more intriguing teams, uh, especially with the way that they finished last year and how they're going to be going into this year. going to be fun to talk about. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So without further ado, let's start to dive into it. And as we do with all these teams, we got to cover the most important position on the field and that is the quarterback position and we've got them coming in at the top 10 in the quarterback position because they have the one the only trevor lawrence who i mean if you followed football even relatively closely for the past like five years or so uh trevor lawrence is or was easily the best quarterback prospect since andrew luck i mean he since peyton manning um he was top tier coming out of the draft at clemson uh, put up a great collegiate career, and then gets drafted number one overall to Jacksonville. And uh, didn't have the greatest start to his career. I mean, you could definitely place a lot of that on uh, Urban Meyer. I saw today another Urban Meyer story about somebody calling him a rookie head coach and him forcing him to apologize. So <laughs> I think it goes without saying that there was a lot of issues going on uh, during Trevor's rookie year. So you could almost look at last year as – Trevor's like actual rookie year where he could actually make some strides and we saw great things from Trevor in his sophomore season so feeling pretty good we've got him ranked at eighth what are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence going ahead this season what you got yeah I mean you said a lot of it you know Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the next coming like he was supposed to be the next best quarterback in the NFL and I definitely think down the second half stretch of last season, he proved himself to be that. You know, he graded really well down the second half after a couple really rough games in the first half. Uh, I mean, this team at the midway point, well, 
So they started three and one, and you know the Jaguars hype train was ready to go. You know, obviously all the offseason narratives. Okay, Urban Meyer out, Doug Peterson in. It's go time here in Jacksonville now. Uh, and then this was also after they spent all that money in free agency. You know, they get out. You know, they get a Brandon Scherf, they get uh, Fadukasi, they get Christian Kirk, they get Evan Ingram, they get uh, just a bunch of guys. Uh, and then they kind of screeched to a halt. Uh, and they started two and one, go two and six into midseason. Uh, and then they go on a run. They start figuring things out. Uh, I think the coaching staff kind of pulled Trevor aside and was like, "Hey, look, you know, just you don't need to you don't need to make the big play every time." He was really trying to, you know, win the game on every single play. And I think the coaching staff kind of pulled him aside and said, "Hey, we don't need that right now." Uh, and the game started to come a little bit more easier for him and the offense as a whole. And as a result, they were able to win more games. I believe they finished something like five and two, six and two, something like that. Uh, so very good finish for the Jags and very good finish for Trevor Lawrence as a result. Um, we have him here at eighth. I think that's right in that elite tier. You know, the teams that are going to be revealed later on obviously have these top tier quarterbacks. That's why like the first seven spots are still empty. I don't think there's a single uh, position. Uh, there's there's 20 there. Well, I'm just keep looking at that 26th hole. In the well, rankings among quarterbacks, yeah, and I know who it is, and you should know who it is if you know what team should be coming. Yeah, here soon. If you do, if you we'll do a little bit of math, desire. you do a little bit of elimination, you'll be able to figure out who that team is. But not too many units, like not playmate. I think the playmakers actually does have the top like seven or eight spots still empty, but none of the other spots have that those all those spots empty, and that's because of how important quarterback is. And I really think that you know Trevor Lawrence being eight right now and potentially even ascending higher uh on this list is the reason why we have the jags at 13th yeah for sure and uh we'll talk about it more when we get to the coaching side of things but i mean i mentioned it the urban meyer was a disaster but i think to be mentioned more should be doug peterson's success i mean he has had success with like rookie quarterbacks and turning them into something man like he looked like he was onto something with carson wentz for a while and, um, I mean, there was a time where people were calling Dougie P the quarterback whisperer. And it, it seems like he whispered a little something to Trevor last year to turn him into the form that we saw. Uh, so, got to feel good about that and got to feel good about Trevor moving forward. Uh, but let's move on from, from the quarterback position. And let's dive into this playmaker unit for the Jacksonville Jags. Um, we've got them ranked pretty high as well. Uh, we've got them ranked 11th among 32 position groups or 32 playmaker groups. Um, and as we go around here, you got to start with Christian Kirk, who was the number two in Arizona for the longest time. And people didn't really expect too much to come from him as he became the number one guy basically in Jacksonville last year. Not a lot of hope, but he put up great numbers last year. He's a deep threat down the field. He was definitely Trevor Lawrence's number one target. And he had a fantastic season and where he didn't have too much competition. But he should have more competition arriving this year as Calvin Ridley returns to the field for the first time in a long time. Uh, they've been hyping him up at training camp. I mean, there was like... I'm sure you've seen it to this point where it's that clip where uh, Zay Jones runs a route and it's like super slow. And then Calvin Ridley runs the same route and it's like like three seconds faster. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. But you still got Zay Jones there as well as kind of your deep threat guy. And then in the backfield, you've got Trevor Lawrence's college buddy and Travis Etienne who came on at points last year. There was There's definitely some question marks, things to be desired 
with Travis Etienne after his first season. Um, but we'll see if he can uh, kind of vibe with Trevor, get that same level of uh, you know improvement from year one to year two. So we'll see. Uh, but they did draft Tank Bigsby, running back out of Auburn. Uh, to help supplement a little bit of that running game. I mean, Travis Etienne is definitely not a ground-and-pound rusher, and Tank Bigsby, I definitely put him into that category. We'll see how much work he gets this year. I'm an Etienne owner in Dynasty, so I hope it's not too much. And honestly, I've watched Tank Bigsby play a lot at Auburn. I really don't think he's that talented, to be honest. Uh, But we'll see how it goes, man. And then they've got Evan Ingram at the tight end position, who put up, like, I mean, his best season since his days in New York last year with Jacksonville and was probably the second most trusted target for Trevor Lawrence next to Christian Kirk. So a great group of playmakers there, but uh, who are you excited to talk about? Yeah, I mean, really this whole group is very good. You know, we have them in 11th. This is the third best group that we've uh, revealed so far. Start with the receivers. I mean, you said it a lot with Christian Kirk. You know, there was not a lot of expectations. If there was a lot of money. There was a lot of expectations yeah. from Jacksonville. Yeah. This, yep. you know, it's kind of been not normalized per se, but you know, he got a twenty-one million dollar a year contract. It was an up to uh, eighty-four million dollars over four years. Like that was top five receiver money before we got the Adams contract and all those contracts coming through. You know, that was like, whoa, this really? Um, and he, yeah. you know, comes in and especially with how the markets move now where there's a bunch of not a bunch of guys but quite a few guys now ahead of him as far as yearly salary he played pretty much like how you would expect the guy that's getting paid that much to play he was very productive i think he finished with a little bit over 1100 yards um and was very good out of the slot for jacksonville especially once they like got him solidified in that slot um they, i know that early in the year they tried to play him a little bit on the perimeter and it wasn't really working out um zay jones nothing super exciting he just is a guy on this team, uh, starter level player. But Ridley, I mean, we we talked about it a lot with Detroit, with how like training camp hype has been so heavy in Detroit, and you know even some not so training camp hype with Jameson Williams in Detroit. But big buzz in the training camp for Detroit. There's a lot of big buzz going here in Jacksonville. I mean, Calvin Ridley's been arguably the most talked about player uh at training camp so far definitely in jacksonville maybe in the entire nfl it seems like every day there's a new clip coming out about what he's doing i mean granted that clip where like he was running that route a little bit a lot faster than zay jones zay jones isn't exactly a quick fella but and calvin ridley is definitely a quick fella um but he has looked very good you know nothing but good things coming from jacksonville's training camp about him uh travis Etienne, he had he like built up really well to that middle of the season uh, where he like, I think he, and fantasy wise, he had like 20 straight or three straight games of 20 or more points. Um, and then I wouldn't say crashed and burned because then he had another couple good games, uh, throughout the season, but it was so inconsistent. Like there, it was four and then it was 25 and then it was six again. Like it was kind of all over the place. Um, so you're hoping you can get a little bit more consistent production out of him. I think that's another reason why they drafted tanks. Bigsby is to, you know, not only push Travis Etienne, but also take some of the work off as far as running goes. Uh, they were really trying to run a lot of between the tackle stuff and Travis Etienne and Tank Bigsby and all the guys that they have in this room. They have Dearness Johnson here as well. They're outside zone runners. And if they can start using that a lot more, I think their running game is going to be a lot more successful. You know, it was their running game was not very good. It was towards the bottom of the league as far as rushing yards for the team. Um they need to pick those numbers up if they want to be a more consistent offense uh, and create more of a dual threat with Trevor. Uh, Evan Ingram, I 
can't see a world in which he replicates last season. Uh, he wasn't a contract year. I guess he still is technically in a contract year after getting a franchise tag. But he that was the best we've ever – like that was Evan Ingram's ceiling. Like when he was coming out of the draft, what we saw last year was the best that like he was getting comped at. And, you know, maybe it could happen again, but there's another mouth to feed here uh, in Calvin Ridley. And I just – I feel like – between him and Kirk, those are options one and two, and I even think Travis Etienne might be option three uh, when it's a pass, and Evan Ingram might kind of get left behind and not going to be as productive this upcoming year. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you mentioned it. He's in a contract year, as he was just put on the franchise tag, and he's not the only guy in a contract year. Calvin Ridley is still on his rookie deal, dude. Like, can you believe that? Like, he's 27, 26, something like that. And the guy is still on his rookie deal. So, like, you're going to have to pay Ridley if you want to keep him. You're going to have to pay Ingram if you're going to want to keep him. And, I mean, with the money you shelled out to Christian Kirk, you're not going to have too much money to hand out extensions. Ridley is 28 and will be 29, I believe, in January. Oh, in February. He'll be 29 in February. Or, Jesus, December. December. Even sooner. Be 29 in December. And he'll be like, well, here's your rookie extension, buddy. Exactly. Like he's he got is, I, would, I would be willing to bet he gets franchise tagged. I yeah. would be shocked if he doesn't just because, you know, you want to see one more year um, of him. Well, they could just pick age. up his fifth year option, right? Well, I think this is his fifth year option. Technically. Because okay. I, I think perfect. last year's contract got like voided because 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, well, that would be his four years of rookie contract and then 2022 would have been his fifth year option i guess with the suspension that just kind of got pushed back and then this is his fifth year option the jags picked it up or the falcons picked it up for them and then now they have to make a franchise tag decision or a contract extension decision after this year yeah and i mean just to mention that like it's they might not be able to keep this group of playmakers together next year so it's like they've got this opportunity this year and we'll talk about it when we get to our window but I mean, they've got a really solid group of playmakers here that they could make a run with, but we will see as we move forward. Uh, but let's dive in to the next group that we got to talk about, and that is this offensive line for Jacksonville. And we've got them ranked towards the bottom of the barrel in the league uh, as they come in at 25th. Uh, they got Cam Robinson at tackle, um, who's had his, like, what's going on with Cam Robinson? Like, hey, he had the injury. I think he's and... got a four-game suspension to start the season, too. So it'll be Walker Little starting in place of him. Um, and then they let Jawan Taylor go at tackle. He's in Kansas City now, so they draft Anton Harrison. So this tackle situation really could not have gotten more messy for them, uh, especially heading in from last season. They thought they had two franchise tackles, especially when we were talking last year around draft time about them potentially taking an Evan Neal at number one. And instead they, you know, give Cam Robinson that huge deal that nobody thought he was worth. And he didn't really prove that he was worth this past year. And you know, that. Cause he got injured, man. Yeah. He didn't even play. And I mean, but that attributes to it being the 25th ranked line is just the inconsistency across the board. Yep, for sure. Um, but Anton Harrison, I mean, we were a fan of him throughout the draft process as one of the better tackles in the draft, that's for sure. Uh, so nice addition for them. At center, you got a uh, Kentucky boy in Luke Fortner, who's actually had a really solid start to his career in Jacksonville. Um, he was part of the Big Blue Wall when we were known as the Big Blue Wall, and then he left, and a couple other guys left, and we had the worst offensive line in college football. 
Uh, but shout out to Luke Fortner, what he's doing right now. And then I really miss my guy, Brandon Sheriff, who's still doing great things at the guard position for the Jags. So, I mean, this, this line's got some names on it. 25 might even be a little low, but I think you're right about the consistency. Do you see them possibly outperforming this rank this year or no? It's going to be hard because Anton Harrison was not a like, oh, okay, at least you're going to bring him into the NFL and his ceiling may not be high, but he's going to be really good on day one. He's a guy that probably could have benefited from a red, like not a redshirt year, but a another year in college and you know maybe a, a redshirt year in the NFL where you have a Jawan Taylor and Anton Harrison sits behind him for a year. Um, not that, like Jawan Taylor is some superstar tackle; he got paid like it. But um, you know Anton Harrison could definitely use a year uh, to sit on the bench, learn a couple things, build up some strength. This is you know he was one of the weaker tackles especially among the top guys. Uh, his technique, pass protecting wise, is just really sound. And that's like the good part of it. But, you know, these are NFL players now. Like this is guys with NFL strength that they're going to be going, he's going to be going up against. And I think that could prove to be a problem. Uh, I really like Walker Little. I think he's one of the best sixth men in the NFL. Um, definitely think that if he plays well throughout those first four games, uh, if the Jags do stick with Cam Robinson and Anton Harrison, I think Walker Little will go somewhere else. I think somebody will p- either trade for him. I believe he was a 2020 second round pick, so he should be a free agent uh, after this season. So I think somebody will pay him to be their starting tackle. Uh, the interior is a question mark still as well. Uh, Brandon Scherf did not give you the elite level of play that you we were used to seeing from Brandon Scherf was one of the best guards in the NFL for a good bit uh, and then had by far the worst grade of his career last year. In Washington, by the way, in case anybody forgot. You know. Yeah, in case anybody forgot. But that was the lowest grade of his career by a whole 12 points, 60.6 last year's previous career low was 72.5. Uh, pretty rough. And then you got Luke Fortner and Ben Barch. Not good. I mean, Luke Fortner, probably one of the lower-end centers in the league. Ben Barch, one of the lower-end guards you in the think? league. You think? I don't know, man. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Fortner. Damn, dude. I mean, he was a really solid college prospect with a lot of room to grow. He like does that. have room to grow, but out of 36 centers that had uh, enough snaps to grade, 34th last season. So. Damn! Okay. All right, that's fair. 52.0. Ben Barch was like... I'm pretty sure he was the guy that like was drinking like the like egg smoothie and like all that shit. He was like, uh, oh, he was like that year's Cody Malk, where it was like, oh, he's you know got red hair and he's probably really fun to party with. So let's take him around earlier than we should. Urban Meyer's draft process, baby. Yeah, yeah. So all right. But this day, this group comes in at 25th. Uh, we'll see if they outperform, but the outlook is not great, as the eight ball would say. Uh, but let's move on from the offensive line and dive into this front seven group, which we're even less hype on, man. Like it's, we were talking about it before the episode. This team is ranked at 13th overall, and you look at their like their other groups. They shouldn't maybe be at 13, but so much heavily relies on recency bias and quarterback play and the playmaker uh, playmakers in the playmakers in the position groups is what I was trying to say but that doesn't make any sense but you know what I'm trying to say uh, but let's move on to this front seven as I said coming in at 26th overall uh, they still got Josh Allen over there also another former wildcat um, he used to be like one of 
that for a while he was supposed to be one of the best defensive players in the NFL and kind of never really lived up to that hype. Uh, they still got a Luwakon, uh, got Devin Lloyd. Those are your linebacker pair. Uh, they got the the number one overall draft pick, uh, Trayvon Walker, out at the uh, outside linebacker position, uh, opposite of Josh Allen. And then, uh, yeah, dude, I mean, Patakasi, like Roy Robertson, like this is not, this is a 26th ranked group in the NFL. How about you elaborate? Yeah, I mean, it's not pretty. Uh I was going to say with the last one, like, it's downhill from here until we get the coaching yeah. staff. It's it's going to be pretty grim. And it gets even more grim than the offensive line here with the front seven. Uh, I do think that this definitely has the highest uh, room for potential because you do have the number one overall pick from the previous season on this uh, front seven. And, you know, Josh Allen, while it feels like he's been a little bit of a disappointment, and he, you know, he only finishes with seven sack, seven sacks last year, seventy-seven pressures, which is very good number. Um, Not a bad yeah. player, just yeah. didn't live up to the expectation. But was the seventh overall pick. You kind of want more from him. He still grades out at an eighty-five last year, though, so that's pretty good. Like a, a lot of teams would like a Josh Allen on their roster. You know, one of the two Josh Allens on their yeah. roster. <laughs> um, but then you also got Trayvon Walker, who I think we all knew that it was going to be a year. Like there was not really a world in which he came into the NFL and immediately was an impact player. He was a project. That's why it was such a controversy that they were going to take him at number one when there was a more polished product, just that edge rusher, you know, arguably two in Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau with similar ceilings. Uh, and then all the other positions they could have taken uh, Evan Neal. They could have even gone crazy and taken like Garrett Wilson. I mean, that would have been a fantastic pick right now. Throw Garrett Wilson in that yeah. playmakers group, and we're probably talking about them in the top four, somewhere around there. Yep. Um, Calvin Early is an afterthought. Yeah, like and Christian Kirk, who's a really good player for a lot of teams, is like he's probably demanding a trade because he's not going to get enough targets. Um, yeah. But anyway, he is here, and you got to hope for development from him. Like if that doesn't happen this year, you're pressing the panic button on this team because like we. We talked about the offensive line. It's not great, but there's not a whole lot of potential for getting better. Like unless Anton Harrison comes in, it looks like a franchise tackle in year one, which I don't predict happening. Um, that offensive line is probably what it is. It's going to be a bottom 15 at at best. I, I don't think there's any way it cracks the top half. Um, this front seven, and we'll talk about the secondary in a minute, but this front seven is your highest point of optimism outside of playmakers, quarterback, and coaching. Because you have guys here. You also have another first-round pick from last year in Devin Lloyd, who started the year really well and then was pretty terrible from there on. Like, it was just kind of weird how, like, for the first, like, three weeks, like, I remember, I mean, nobody's making any definitive claims. Devin Lloyd's a former first-rounder, yeah, too. Yeah, and nobody's making any definitive claims on rookie of the year in the first three weeks, but Devin Lloyd was, like, right next to Sauce Gardner for those first three or four weeks, and then it just yeah, right off the cliff. Um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And you've also got Foyce Luacon here, tackle monster. I mean, those two guys combined for almost 300 tackles. So you, you, I think this is a very good pair of linebackers here. This is definitely one of the 10 or 12 best duos in the NFL, especially if Devin Lloyd can return to the play, the level of play that he was at for those first three weeks. But the problem spot here is the same where it was, same thing it was in Detroit. It's that front three uh, that you're worried about the in the interior Roy Robertson, Harris, uh, Devon Hamilton, Fulorenzo Fadokasi. Fadokasi is probably your best player there. Um, 
definitely was better than anybody that Detroit had on that front three, but you're still worried about it. Um, you've just really got to hope for some development um, from Walker to be able to get what you want out of this group and get what you want out of this defense as a whole. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that front three, they're really just relying on Josh Allen and Trayvon. They're they're just trying to put enough pressure on the line that Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker can get through. Uh, so we'll see how it works again. Uh, they're going to carry the same blueprint into this year. Um, but I think Trayvon Walker is one of those guys with, I mean, obviously he's got one of the biggest range of outcomes for an NFL player, probably in the league right now, you know, just considering where he was drafted and, and the other the, like the potential and the project and everything you mentioned. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the weird part about him and like the whole intriguing part about his draft process was that you couldn't find a comp. Like there was nobody with that length or that um, mix of length, speed. I mean, his arms were like historically long and he's still got the strength. He's still got the speed. You know, Georgia played him at defensive tackle. They also, it was weird to find like a comp for him and really put some good analysis on him was because of the way Georgia used him. They used him as a rotational run defender because they had so many guys there and Trayvon Walker was one of the more unrefined guys on that Georgia front that they felt like, okay, we're probably better with, you know, a Nolan Smith out there than we are with Trayvon Walker because of how raw he is. But Trent Baalke liked the traits, took him at number one. Um, We'll see how that ends up working out for him. But right now I bet he's really unhappy about it considering a lot of the players that he passed up on. So I didn't even mention, imagine if they pick Sauce Gardner there and they had a number one corner for the foreseeable future. I mean, arguably one of the four or five best corners in the NFL in year one definitely feels like at some point in his career, he's going to be the best corner in the league. And they could have had that, which we'll talk about in a second. They don't have anybody near that. Yeah, that's the truth, man. And I mean, you mentioned it, let's dive into the secondary and it even, like you said, it's all been downhill from uh, the offensive side. Uh, They come in at 29th among the secondary ranks as a whole. And dude, whew. Goodness gracious, man. Is it bad that I've been questioned for my football knowledge recently a lot in the comments? And sure, it hurts my feelings, but is it bad that the only name that I know on this list is uh, Rayshon Jenkins? And that's it? A little bit. Tyson Tyson Campbell was good last year. Tyson Campbell was very good last year. Was the 34th pick in 2020? 2021? Um, Had, you know, a quiet... Breakout. He was the first. He was uh, that pick thirty three in twenty twenty one. So, but had a humongous improvement. Goes up eighteen points in PFF grade. Was really good last year. Like Tyson Campbell, I really liked what I saw from him last year. And he's your number one corner for the foreseeable future. You know whether you're super excited about that or not. If whether this is a flash in the pan season, we'll wait and see. But he's the only guy that you're excited about here. Rayshon Jenkins is. I mean. As crazy it is to say, Rayshon Jenkins is more of a name than he is now a player, and Rayshon Jenkins' yep. name isn't that high. Uh, you got yep. Andre Sisco here, Trey Herndon, below average starters, um, Darius Williams here, who had some good years for the Rams, but uh, the Rams have found uh, yeah, success right. with those smaller corners, um, and they hasn't been really replicated anywhere else. Darius Williams was the first guy that they had that was like relatively smaller, and they tried moving he tried moving on somewhere else hasn't really panned out for him so far uh in jacksonville 
this is the biggest worry spot. This is why we have them at 29th. I don't see a world, you know, especially with Tyson Campbell having a very good season last year. And this is still where we, you know, a lot of people perceive them to be at is how low the secondary is. I mean, you have a 29th ranked secondary and a 25th ranked pass rush in an AFC with Josh Allen, with Joe Burrow, with Patrick Mahomes, with Aaron Rodgers, with Lamar Jackson, with Kenny Pickett. Like, there's so many great quarterbacks in this conference and so many great offenses. Kenny Pickett. I should have, like, threw (laughs) another name there on the end. You snuck in, snuck it in. Yeah. I started paying attention when Pickett was named, but yeah. Ears perk up. Um, (laughs) You know, it's going to be kind of hard for them to compete and be a legit threat in the playoffs when this is the defense that they're rolling out. Like that's why I said it hinges so much on Trayvon Walker because he was the number one overall pick. He was a first round talent, maybe not a number one overall pick talent, but definitely a first round talent. There's no first round talent on this secondary. There's no like, Oh, maybe this guy takes a step. Tyson Campbell, I think may have already taken the step. I don't know if he can take another one into being like an elite top 10 corner. I think this, you know, maybe you know bounce back and forth corners careers go like this all the time um you just hope that you can get that level of play moving forward but it's rough like Darius you got to hope that Darius Williams gets back to how he was playing in LA this safety duo I mean like are you excited about anything on the safety duo I I I know I'm not so it's I'm not excited either like (laughs) yeah it not really anything you got a white safety too I'm good Mm, mm, uh who what's his name guy with uh the chiefs uh Sorensen. god man i he is my most hated safety of all time and it's not even close I, the amount of times that he burnt me in fantasy like he was the guy who was messing me up getting fantasy, burnt at least and the other team yeah dude to have the players that not getting burnt by yep that's, it's that's like he knew very specific yeah he knew he knew but uh yeah not a great safety combo, not a great unit overall for Jacksonville. And that's why we've got them coming in at 29th. So we hope they can outperform, but the outlook is not good. So let's move on and we can start to get a little bit more happy here and optimistic. And uh, that's when you turn to the coaching side of things for the Jags this year. Uh, Overall, we've got them coming in at 13th and they've got Dougie P coming back as the head coach. Um, after the dumpster fire experiment, probably the worst head coaching tenure of all time, maybe in comparison, like Hugh Jackson comes to mind, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia wasn't even like probably yeah, in that conversation that yesterday. But. And like, that was really bad. And I like urban Meyer had like eight things where if two of them happened, it would have been like, he's on the list. He makes the list. If two of those things happen, he had like seven of those things happen. Like, I just I keep thinking about that picture of him with the young lady at the bar. Not very good for Urban. Uh, but kicking yeah. the kicker, Ooh. telling him to make some kicks. I'm going to go. I made a post, like, encapsulating all of them, like, a long time ago. So I'm going to be scrolling for a bit. So you keep talking. Asking his, uh, his coaches um, to prove their resumes. Asking his coaches, uh, who's this 99 guy on the Rams? Oh, I forgot about that little number, uh, but let's not talk about the bad in Jacksonville that once was, and let's talk about the good that is. Dougie P succeeded Urban Meyer, and he's been doing a pretty good job as they took the Jacks to the playoffs last year. And on the offensive coordinator side, uh, they got Mr. Zach Taylor's brother, 
Uh, so gotta love that. And uh, Mike Caldwell coming in as the DC this year. Uh, so what's the outlook on this uh, coaching staff as a whole, man? I mean, I've fallen in and out of favor with Doug Peterson a lot uh, these past few years, trying to decide whether or not he's a good head coach. I really do think he's a good locker room guy. I think he's a good guy to come in and create a culture. And out of all the teams in all of sports for the past 20 years that needed a culture change, I think Jacksonville is definitely on that list. And Doug Peterson's doing a good job so far. Uh, what do you think, man? Yeah, I, was, I found the post. Um, so we'll just – and we'll stop talking about Urban Meyer. But it's hilarious. Um, it is. I've completely – It's history. I, I guess on the – like I put together like a 10-slide Instagram post. Uh, I, I missed the uh, who's this 99 guy on the Rams. I guess maybe that might that may have came out after he got fired, but supposedly he called his assistants losers and himself a winner. That happened. Oh, um, he went up to Vic Fangio and said it's like playing Alabama every week. He also remember remember when he uh, remember when he signed and cut Tim Tebow. Oh yes, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. Ooh. Oh my god, man! What a what a really rough stretch for Doug. And now we're here fans. with Dougie P. Yep. Uh, yep. They come in 13th here. That is a far cry from 32, where they would have been if they had Urban Meyer still. Um, I I really think that, you know, Dougie P inspires a lot of confidence here. This is a Super Bowl winning head coach. He's an offensive mind. That's what you want in today's league now. Um, you have a good staff around him as well. Uh, Press Taylor, uh, brother of Zach Taylor, uh, head coach for the Bengals. He has he runs pro style scheme a little bit, which is why I think their running game suffers a little bit because their running backs are wide zone guys. I think they'll start to implement that a little bit more this year as well. Um, he was also under Doug Peterson in Philly during that Super Bowl run that they went on, uh, and the not Super Bowl runs that they had afterwards. But regardless, uh, look the the thing that inspires the most confidence about Doug Peterson here is the way that. Trevor Lawrence played from year one to year two. Like that was the most important thing. That's why they went out and got him. That's why they got an offensive mind as opposed to a defensive guy or even a culture guy. Like, you know how hard it must've been for them to look at what happened there and not like look for like a Dan Campbell guy to be like, we just have to fix this first. We can figure out the other thing first. We have to figure this out. And I think Doug Peterson, honestly, is, you know, the best of both worlds. You know, he came in and brought the culture. All I can think about is that, I have no idea what it was about, but it was something to do with ice cream and him and like the, dude, the, video. Was the same thing, the, dude. The, the ice cream. Yeah. He was offering, so, he has ice cream. So much culture. He, he's a culture shifter. He has ice cream. Um, and that's what I like, <laughs> a great I, offensive like, mind. Dude, he is. He's a good, the only reason I said culture is because he had some ice cream meeting and I can't remember what was going on, but everybody seemed happy and we haven't seen that in Jacksonville in a while. So I was also, go. Looking, I was also <laughs> looking through some of the pictures and like, well, I couldn't, this was like the best picture I could find. And like, I was going back to like some of his Philly days, dude. Doug Peterson might need to lay off the ice cream a little bit, dude. He's getting the hey, Jackson. Whoa, dude, Philly, whoa. Doug, Philly Doug was skinny. Philly Doug was a slim fella. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the new Nike stuff that he's wearing, but he's in it's warm uh, weather, bro. Like, come on, the guy's in his best life. He's got another opportunity as a head coach. He can eat all the ice cream he wants. Man. You're right. He has he has deserved a lot of ice cream. That was unwarranted. That was totally unfair. <laughs> um, but still, regardless of his weight, still. <laughs> wait till we talk about Andy Reid. Um, 
Oh my god, man! I don't even know. All right, continue, dude. I don't. But let's see how you spend this. Ultimately, he did his job. He did his job here in Jacksonville, and that was to turn around the Trevor Lawrence thing, make him look like a franchise quarterback, which he did, especially in the second half of last season. And you know, I think if Doug Peterson isn't here, we don't have Trevor Lawrence as high because he wouldn't have played as well last year. Um, and as long as you've got him, and as long as you've got Trevor Lawrence, we talk. You know, they had two or three units ranking in the low twenties or the mid twenties. The twenties. Um, as long as you have Doug Peterson, as long as you have Trevor Lawrence, I think this team's going to be in it, especially in this division where there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Um, fun fact: this team, not the biggest like division favorite in the NFL. I think the Chiefs are higher uh, as far as like they're they have higher better odds to win their division. Uh, same thing with I think Philly. I would have thought Jacksonville was like far and away. I mean, you look at our power rankings: Jacksonville at. 13th, Tennessee's at 26th, which I still think is a little low, but I know that you have your reservations on it's that. It's the Rainbow effect, dude. I guarantee exactly. you the Titans are second It paper. is. Yeah, it like, is. it's the Rainbow effect. But, like, maybe there's a reason why. We'll talk about uh, how we feel about their season outlook once we move on here. But Doug Peterson, good coach. Sorry what I said. As long as they have Trevor Lawrence, as long as they have Doug Peterson, as long as they have ice cream, this team will be just fine this season. Uh, but let's move on from the coaching staff and let's dive into this schedule they got laid out. And honestly, for a strength of schedule at 23rd, this looks like a pretty colorful schedule. Uh, as we go down the list, I mean, the teams that were popping out, wow, they played both KC and Buffalo in the first five weeks of the season. So that really stinks. Uh, but then the rest of the way, I mean, you've got San Fran in week 10. Cincinnati in week 13. I mean, this is this is not an easy schedule, man. I mean, they're playing that AFC North where it's like you've got you might have some problems, man, especially if the Browns play like they're could or like they could with Deshaun Watson at full strength. I mean, this could be some problems for this Jacksonville team this year. I mean, their in-division games are going to be Gimmies. I mean, unless that variable effect has something to it, I don't think it does as reflective in my rankings. Uh, not as big of a fan as Rayburn and company as the rest of the community is. Uh, but I think they take those two games from Tennessee. But if there is something to Tennessee being good this year and you look at the rest of the schedule, they're over under sitting in nine and a half, dude. And I think they'll win this division. So, like, I think they get 10 wins. So I think that they go over, but I don't feel great about it. Like, I felt pretty good about the over yesterday. I don't feel great about this one. Yeah, I don't feel great about this one either. I mean, the reason why it's 23rd, 2nd, something around there, um, in strength of schedule is because they play six games against the uh, AFC South, which I think won a combined, like, 14 or 15 games last year. And then outside of Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, and then they also play four games against the NFC South, which we know and we talked about ad nauseum much long ago because those teams are already done, is the weakest division in football. Um, so they get 10 games where, you know, on a neutral site, they're favored in every single one of those games. They're going to have some on the road. Um, I think that Tennessee is probably favored in the Tennessee home game. I think, you know, depending on, I don't know, I think they're Jacksonville's definitely favored on the road uh, in Indy week one. Houston, I can't really – I don't know what that's going to be. But um, 
it's going to be weird. They also go on a run from weeks two through six where they play um, three straight home games or three, yeah, three straight home games, and then they get um, two in London or Germany or they're it's a neutral site. They're they're neutral site games. I know that. Um, this team has to move like from the U.S. They have to be the first team. Well, this is a conversation for another day. I hate the expansion idea. I just think it causes so many problems. Like, how many leagues travel outside of, and this is not a league, but how many sports have something outside the World Cup, outside the Olympics, where a team outside of, you know, Major League Baseball and the NBA with Canada and the Toronto teams and hockey with those teams, but you should not have to cross an ocean to go play a Tuesday night game. Like that shouldn't happen like, or a Thursday night game or whatever. Like that's just going to be so much of a problem. And I think if Jacksonville moves, it's just going to cause a lot of headache for the rest of the NFL and for Jacksonville, who will probably be like, uh, I don't know, fucking what the hell are cities that are not in America? Just, just say one. Just, okay. Boom. London done. There we go. But yeah, I mean, I I don't love the idea either. I mean, they're gonna have to figure out some crazy plane that'll take a, like I don't know a time traveling machine, teleportation, something like that to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we're gonna have to figure something out. Uh, but I think that's a long ways away. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, hopefully, definitely uh, a good point, uh, fun point to talk about. Um, but you ready to move on to the ranking slide, my friend? Mm-hmm. All right. So as we wrap it up here with the Jacksonville Jags coming in at 13 overall at the Blitzpod consensus, uh, their offense comes in at 14th overall. Their defense comes in at 26th. And then when we put them at 13, that is such an interesting ranking of both those units. Uh, but then we take a look at the championship window. And another optimistic one, man, as we keep going, as we keep getting closer to number one, these windows look better and better. We've got it listed as opening here, one to two years away. I do think it's an interesting situation because I mentioned it off the top with the uh, the playmakers. Like you've got some guys that are gonna command some big contracts after this season, and you might not be able to keep that group together. But who you are gonna have? You're gonna have GA ETN for a long time. You're gonna have a lot of this offensive line for a long time. Kirk's on a long term deal, and. You have Trevor Lawrence, you know, and as long as you have Trevor Lawrence, you're going to be in it. So how do you see this uh, team possibly working towards a championship these next few years? It's going to be kind of difficult, to be honest with you. I mean, we had Detroit yesterday at one year away, and we have the Jacksonville here at one to two years away, and we obviously have Jacksonville in front of them. But they have Trevor Lawrence, yes. And you mentioned you made a great point that Calvin Ridley's contract is up after this year. i yeah, it was. Um, Evan Ingram's contract will be up after this year. So they might need to do some retooling. They have groups in the 20s. Their entire def- Both of their defensive units rank in the 20s, the low 20s. Their defense as a whole ranks 26th. Funnily enough, we have Detroit's offense 13th, their defense 20th, their head coach higher. Here we are with Jacksonville in front of them. One of them made the playoffs. One of them didn't. It's recency bias, man, at its greatest, at its finest. And, like, this championship window is tough because, like, yes, you have Trevor Lawrence, but, like, you're which means, especially in this division, like, they're probably still going to win this division. They can win eight games and still win this division, which means you're picking at the highest, you're picking 19th. 
And if you're picking 19th, or no, I don't really, I can't remember if it works like in playoff seating, but regardless, you're not going to be picking very high. You need to revamp the entire defense. You need to revamp the offensive line, and you might need to revamp the weapons after this season. Like yeah. as soon as the season's over, you might need to make all of those changes. Like outside of the front seven, like we talked about, like there's no like really promising player on the offensive line. We'll wait and see on Anton Harrison. There's no really promising player, uh, at least as far as making a huge leap on the secondary. Tyson Campbell, like we said, already probably made that leap. So they might be capped out in both of those spots in yeah. the 20s. Like that's yeah. and, and despite on the top seven, despite having two guys, one of them a number one overall draft pick, and another guy number seven, two top ten draft picks on your front seven, and like it still sucks. That's not good. It's a problem. And like if this team was in the NFC, like the Lions are, maybe we'd be talking about them a little bit more generously because you have to beat two to three teams to really make the jump here. I mean. You look at the how many quarterbacks are left, I'm pretty sure. So of the seven quarterbacks remaining, if you can do some math, I'm sure most of you can you know who the best quarterbacks in the NFL are. Six of them are in the AFC. Even Boiler. if even if Trevor Lawrence makes that jump and he becomes one of the guys like one of the Burroughs, the Allens, like in the top three or four, the the Bengals still have better weapons. They have a better offensive line. They have a better defense for sure. Buffalo, better defense. They don't have a better offensive line, but they're in the same tier. Uh, and they have better Chargers. weapons. And Chargers. Chargers, same thing. Like, Ravens, same thing. And then obviously Burn. the Chiefs as well. Eagles. Wait, no, that's NFC. Yeah. Um, the Jets, at least for the next year or two, they've got better everything, and it's not even really close. So, right. like – You've really got a hit on your draft picks to be able to say that this team has officially entered a championship window. I think they are firmly in a playoff window where the point to the point where pretty much every year for the next four to five years, they're probably going to be the division favorite here in Jacksonville as long as Trevor Lawrence is here and as long as the quarterbacks are still getting figured out uh, throughout the rest of this division. Um, I don't really see C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson as much as I like they are. I don't think they make that leap to the point where they're in Trevor Lawrence's tier of quarterback. Um, and right. you know the guy, the team with the quarterback is always going to kind of trump the team that has questions at quarterback. And for at least the time being, Jacksonville doesn't. So very interesting championship window uh, for Jacksonville. And it's they are, like I said, they're going to have to hit those late picks. They're going to have to make some sneaky signings that give them immediate impact um, and play above their contract. Offense ranks at 14th. I think that's fair. You know, they have a top 10 quarterback. They have a good group of weapons, but their offensive line is really poor. And like I said, not a whole lot of room for improvement unless Anton Harrison uh, is much better than we project in year one. Defense, same thing. Like the only way that they move themselves out of the 20s really is if Trayvon Walker like gets to Josh Allen's level. And Josh Allen isn't like a all pro. He's probably like a fringe pro bowler again the afc is loaded with edge rushers as well but if he can get to a pro bowl if trayvon walker can get to a pro bowl level maybe they're talking about a top 20 defense but even then like it's still really scary um just be thankful that they're in the afc south yeah that's for sure i mean this is the best you can do is build around trevor lawrence and if you start there if that's yeah, your starting I mean, building block there's not too many teams you're in a better place. pillar than that so 
Right, exactly. So we'll see how it goes as we roll along uh, the season um, in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, but that just about does it for our episode today, covering the 13th ranked Jags. Uh, but looking forward to rolling through the last 12 teams that we got. It's kind of sad, man. Like we're coming towards the end of this segment. But by the time we're at the end, it's football season. Yeah. I mean, we had the Hall of Fame game as of this recording. Yeah. So it, it should, it should still be on be right long. now. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we can catch some of that. Uh, But yeah, football season is upon us, and we couldn't be more excited over here at the Blitz Pod. So we will catch you later. Peace.